I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell Sanders. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. We're talking about the Oscars. It's my favorite day of the year. Oh my goodness. I love the Oscars. <laughs> what a thrill. And this one was really good, actually, I thought, considering last year, which I had tried to wipe from my brain. So... It was better. <laughs> now, last year, they were sort of forced to go host-free, but Which, this year, they chose to. Yes, and last year, I thought it was excellent. Last year, it moved at a clip. Like, the show was like, and everyone was like, oh, wow, like, maybe the Oscars should never have a host. Mm-hmm. And then this year, because they didn't have a host, they, like, loaded it up too much. Last year, there was a sense of urgency. Like, we all better pull this together and get it done. And it worked organically, I thought. And everyone was like, wow, I've never seen an Oscars production like this. Right. And then this year, it just needed something to bind it together. It was overcrowded with, not only with, like, entertainment, like, with bits, but, like, with music. It was a lot. It felt very scattershot, I thought. One of my favorite oddball moments, though, (laughs) was definitely Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig. They were great. The two of them kept pretending. Now, they're, like, TV actresses primarily. Comedians, too. Like, they're known as, like, comic actors. You're right. They're not TV actresses, because they both did Bridesmaids and, yeah, a million of them. But I think they're primarily known for, like, television comedy as, like, a fair way to put it right right? and very few people move from tv to go on to become serious movie stars yeah but that's like george clooney and so (laughs) they had this bit where they kept pretending like they were auditioning serious actresses they're like there are a lot of important movie people in the room right now that was a bit um, Martin Scorsese <laughs> responded very well to it, I have to say. Oh He's probably going to hire them now. I thought it was hilarious. It was good. And what did you think of Kristen Wiig's dress, which reminded me a little bit of lasagna or like a piece <laughs> of seaweed? I didn't like it, but this is the thing with hers. I very rarely like her dresses. I almost always like her styling. Neck up, she looked amazing. I loved her haircut and the color and her makeup. But I, she, I think she just has a style that is out there. Yeah, well, and I appreciate that she went for it because yeah. I thought it was a pretty tame red carpet. I did too. There was a lot of that like beigey coral. I thought there was like a couple big moments. I really liked Saoirse Ronan's dress. I she thought it had, was like a peplum. It look. was a peplum, but it was like oversized. And mm-hmm. somehow, and I usually don't like stuff like that, but I think somehow with the purple skirt, I just thought it worked really, really well. Did you have any favorites? I'm obsessed with Florence Pugue. It was Blue-ish, aqua British. kind yeah. of. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was belted, cool. but then it had all these um, structured sort of layers to it and a strappy sandal. And then I was looking through the after party pictures and I liked the dress she wore there even more. Yeah. I didn't realize they all kind of have two looks. They do an after party look. And it's so weird. I'm always like, this seems Where like do they so change? much work, right? I know. I, and there must be a place for them to go, right? There must be like in the in the hotel. But I have always been like... Are they changing in the limo? <laughs> right, yeah. Like they can't be. There's no way. Step um, out in a new look. Yeah. But speaking of Florence Pugh, her co-star, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. Oh, my God. Wait, was it like a members-only jacket? I what loved was it. Wearing? It was It was a jacket set. I thought it was so cool. And I actually read an article. So what if you hadn't seen it, he wore, in lieu of like the traditional tuxedo or like very nice suit, he wore, um, it was like basically like, I think it was satin, like a satin navy like jacket set. And it looked nice. Like it wasn't bad looking, but it was very, very different for the Oscars. It had like a little patch kind of on the left side of his chest. But yeah, it was really out there. 
But I read a really cool article in GQ today, and it spotlighted him, Brad Pitt, and Al Pacino. It was kind of about the idea that, like, how do you dress better than dressing, like, yourself? Because Brad, people maybe looked at him and were like, oh, a boring tuxedo. But, like, it was very, they pointed out lots of details to it that are, like, very him. Al Pacino loves to wear, like, somewhat (laughs) ill-fitting, but, like, shiny. Like, there's always something, like, kind of gaudy about his suits. And he did it again, and they were like, he looks great because he looks like Al Pacino and it was the same for um, Chalamet and I I thought that was just like a cool idea I was like yeah so if you're already a fashion icon or someone that is looked to constantly Mm -hmm. for what you're wearing then you're just accentuating your already larger than lifestyle and I think that that can go for I know obviously that's GQ so they were highlighting men but I think of someone like Diane Keaton she has usually like a pant a hat she always has a hat like a sort of buckety kind of hat. And she just always looks very, very comfortable. And she did last night. It was no different. So I thought that that was cool. Uh, but before we move on from the Little Women cast, where was Emma Watson? I don't know. I haven't where seen her Where has Emma Watson been? Is she ill or something? What, what does she have to do besides the Oscars? I don't know. I mean, it's I like, honestly week. don't know. I'm like looking off into the distance trying to think. Yeah, but that's like... You can that you can go today. Where are you, know? you Emma? I am I serious. I'm worried. <laughs> yeah. What else could she possibly she, be doing? Because it's not like people know who she is, so it wouldn't be like even if she showed up, it's not like oh she played a like a more minor character. It's like she's still Emma Watson in real life, so it's like you would still get pictures of her and you would still see her. I have no idea. But yeah. speaking of Fashion Week too, I felt bad it was Jason Wu. His show mm-hmm. is at the same time as the Oscars. As the Oscars. And he's kind of like a high profile celebrity yeah. designer who came in his look. Rebel. Um, Rebel Wilson. Yeah. yeah. And she looked great. So I'm like, well, he's representing on both coasts. Speaking of Rebel Wilson. Oh my God. That was my favorite. So there was a magical moment in which James Corden and Rebel Wilson came on stage dressed as their characters from Cats. And I need to say that the costumes that they were wearing, like the makeshift costumes that the Oscars put together for them, were so much better (laughs) than the CGI cat clothes that they had on in the movie. I was like, this is great. Like, why didn't they just do this? They had, like, goofy painted faces. They looked like, you know, they had planned it. for. They are like, ah, we got to do a Cats thing. But it somehow was... Much higher quality. I thought it was so hilarious. I Okay, I'm a little torn on James Corden being so dismissive of a movie he was in. Like, I want him to kind of own yeah, it and either like, say, I, seen it. <laughs> I did a bad job, or say, no, I believe in this piece of art. Well, but instead, I just feel like he keeps putting it on the, the I have tech to people. say, it should be, it's all, it's really <laughs> Tom Hooper, the director. It's He made so many choices that didn't make sense. <laughs> The actors did their best, for the most part, really, all of them. He was good. I also think that for him, probably Rebel 2 and a few of the like more high-profile actors, they I don't think that they spent a ton of time on set. Gotcha. Because they have like a song and then like maybe one or two smaller scenes later. It could have just been like that kind of detachment, too, where you're like, I did my piece... Molly, you're one of like 12 (laughs) members of the public that actually went to see Cats in theaters. And all of us love it. (laughs) (laughs) All 12 of you. (laughs) There are dozens of us. Was there a plot? Um, No, but that's not a fault. Well, it is a fault of Cats itself, but it's also because the source material is a children's book of poetry by T.S. Eliot. So like there's not no plot. Like there is... 
The begin. There's no really no middle. There's a beginning and an end. All right, I think I'm just gonna let it go and just I, watch the the clips. No, I would watch it. I would like settle in one night when it's like for free on the internet. Give yourself to cats. Well, <laughs> this is the thing. This is what I I my my recent conclusion was this. It is terrible, and I loved every minute of it, and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I don't know. I heard that Doolittle was worse, so that's the highest praise I can give it. Well, in terms of one more fashion shout-out. Natalie? Yes, Natalie Portman's cape. So she had all of the female directors embroidered on her cape, like their last names embroidered. And I thought that was really classy. I thought that was also very cool because we have heard a lot about, for instance, Greta Gerwig, um, Lorraine Scafaria, who directed Hustlers, and Lulu Wang, who directed The Farewell. But she included a larger range, which other people have talked about. They say it's important to bring up someone like Greta Gerwig. She's a star. She has a lot of name recognition where someone like Mari Diop directed a movie called Atlantic. She's... um, a Senegalese French director, and a lot of people were really like, this movie was really special, and like, sort of spotlight people who we don't already know, mm-hmm. that I thought was very cool, because it was very inclusive of a lot of genres, like cross genres across. And she knows whatever. she's got bandwidth. She knew oh, people yeah. were going to be looking at her under a microscope, so yeah. she took that opportunity in stride. Yep, and I think it was cool, too, because I mean, like, her dress itself was gorgeous. Yeah, and you wouldn't know that the names were the detail unless you bothered to look, Mm -hmm. which says something, too. She's pointing at him. It was very cute. The other cape-ish dress I really liked was Janelle Monae. It was covered in crystals. I think it was Ralph Lauren. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, and she did a nice little intro. It was, like, kind of goofy, but it was lovable. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, my mom and I were like, you know, she came out, and we see the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood set, and we were like, oh, yay. And also Tom Hanks was like, oh, yay. I really like that. So that loops me to one more thing about the red carpet. Koyer Sika, he's a, he's straight for Gawker. He writes for the New York Times now. He's like a reporter. He does some like humor style culture stuff. He's great. But he apparently was writing some of the captions for some photos on the red carpet. And so Janelle Monet brought up, because it's a beautiful photo of her in her dress. And the caption is, beep, beep, boop. Because it does look a little bit like a robot. She's um, a woman from the future. Yep. Mm-hmm. She always is. But then another one that I loved was it's like Saoirse Ronan and Florence Pugh just like apart from each other on different spots on the red carpet. And it says Florence Pugh hides from her nemesis Saoirse Ronan. (laughs) Which is just right. Like we know that they love each other. And then uh, my favorite one is a photo where Olivia Coleman, who won Best Actress last year, is like in the center of it. And it just and she's laughing and it just says she is having fun. <laughs> wow! And I was like, these are great. I just thought so they profound. were very funny. Yeah, yeah. But that's what you kind of want sometimes, you know. <laughs> well, speaking of musical performances, there was quite the montage of Oscar songs. There were so many, uh, so much like stuff though. Like so much happened. Well, the one that I was most alarmed by, I guess. <laughs> It was because I was at a family gathering, yeah. so I started my Oscars viewing on delay, and <laughs> I start getting all these texts from people that say, like, mom's spaghetti, yeah, like, one shot, one opportunity, yeah. and I'm like, why is what everyone is happening? quoting Eminem? Like, right, did he die? Like, what? Yeah. It, Molly, why was everyone quoting Eminem? I will tell you, Eminem <laughs> did a surprise, even to the people who worked on the production, a surprise performance of Lose Yourself in, like, the middle of the show. So random. It was, but it turns out 
that the reason that he did it was that, so first of all, it's the 20 year anniversary of eight mile. Okay. That makes a little more That's sense. Part of I it. guess I didn't even catch that. He won an Academy award for that song. He won best original song. And that year he did not attend the Oscars, which meant that not only did he not accept the award, he did not perform the song. And I think, and so they said, do you want to one shot? Come back? Yeah. And so <laughs> that he did a very cute tweet that was like, they gave me another shot. I had to take it. But that was, the, it, it turns out, so there was a reason. I just felt that it would have been helped by, like, an introduction. Yeah, it just <laughs> Like, felt- 20 years ago, this guy wasn't here to do this, you know? And every other song they had expertly cut together so that there was this common sense of flow. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it was just like an inordinately long clip of Eminem walking down a staircase. And I'm like, why does he get so much airtime? And then I was like, oh, oh, no. It was very thrilling. (laughs) It was thrilling to watch, truly. Yeah. And then I thought it was really cool, though, because Elton John was also nominated for best, or, well, was nominated for best original song this year. Eminem was not. He just performed but and ended up winning. But Elton John and Eminem are very, very good friends. Gotcha. And so I was, like, you know, had a whole, like, vision of the two of them, like, I love having that. a great time at the Oscars An together. unlikely friendship. Yeah. It's funny. I was, my column this week for Worcester Magazine was prompted by someone who texted me and said, you know, I just moved to Worcester and this sounds kind of like a lame question, but how do you make friends as an adult here? And I said, wow, that is, it's really hard to make friends as an adult. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking a lot of my friendships have come naturally through work, you know, you're placed into a situation of convenience with people. But when I was in high school, two years of age difference felt like a million years. And then you get to the workplace and like the the woman I was closest with in my first job is probably 25 years older than me. And we have so much in common. So I picture that that's what Elton John and Eminem are like. They have a lot in common. They end up at all the same places, all the same events. And well, it started when they did um, a performance of Stand Together at the Grammys. And that came about because... Eminem had gotten himself into a little bit of trouble with like some homophobic lyrics and statements and stuff. And then that just like spurred a really, really serious friendship. And a lot of it has centered in more recent years around Eminem's sobriety and Elton sort of being like a rock for him in that way, which I just think is like really interesting and cool. But El- Elton interviewed him one time and at the end was just like, I'm glad you exist. I have your sobriety date in my calendar. I love you. That is like such a a surreal world to live in, right? Oh my God. And if you don't have someone who understands it, what do you do? Drugs. Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because everything just happens at such extremes. Sometimes I think that's why celebrities get engaged so quickly. It's like once you start dating someone, it's all over every national newspaper or whatever. What is the next natural step? I guess we have to get married now. Get married. Yeah. Oh, but... Speaking of a partnership, I guess I didn't realize that Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig like, were writing partners and life partners. Yes. And it came about in an interesting way. How so? <laughs> um, oh, and we should so, say Noah Baumbach is the director yes. of Marriage Story, which I finally saw. I would love to talk about for a moment. Yes. And then uh, Greta well, directed Lady Bird and also Little Women yes. this year. Um, we can talk about it because it relates to this story that I will tell you. No Bambach in 2010-ish made a movie called Greenberg starring Ben Stiller, which is one of my favorite movies. It's very depressing in case you are interested in watching it. Just FYI. But the star, the, his co-star in the movie is Greta Gerwig. He co-wrote that movie with his ex-wife Jennifer Jason Leigh. 
who is also an actress. And just like a year or two later, they separated organically. And this was also around the time that he was making Francis Ha, which he co-wrote with Greta Gerwig um, and which stars Greta Gerwig. And so there was a bit of an overlap where like he started writing this movie with her and then who knows what happened. Yep. And then they were doing publicity for maybe Francis Ha and everyone was like, oh, they're dating each other now. But that leads us to Marriage Story. So which depressing is the brand. Yes. Yeah, he's he's pretty he's that's his deal. But what I liked about it mm-hmm. was that it was so extremely believable. You've got these two characters. Scarlett Johansson is the shining actress in a theater company. And Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Oh, my God. I need you all the time. <laughs> Adam Driver is the star director. And their company loves them and looks to them like, you know, they are these two leaders that could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. And then when she begins to sort of rise above and show an interest in directing and gets a major contract for a TV show, she moves back to Los Angeles. and He just is so self-destructive because he can't believe it. I think he's so insecure that he can't fully wrap his mind around the fact that she could exist beyond him. And it's like, it reminded me, actually, it coincided with me listening to a lot of interviews with Jessica Simpson about her new book. She talks about John Mayer and she says, John Mayer never loved me. He was obsessed with me. And that's how I felt about these two characters is that Scarlett Johansson never had the love of Adam Driver. He was just like obsessed with her. And they both become terrible people through the divorce process. Obsessed with their, like the idea of like what their union meant to like them themselves but also to other people it was like about the, the theater like, yeah. it was about them creating plays together yeah. it wasn't about them having a romantic love mm-hmm. or trust in one another mm-hmm. yeah so the this film in which adam driver is an avatar for noah Baumbach is very much based on real life i think in many parts not entirely and not obviously it's a fictional story but i do think that um, a lot of it is taken from what happened in their real life well that makes sense that's why i bought it it was real (laughs) oh absolutely well and i think that one thing that like people were like not making fun but teasing about that like that one scene where there's that big explosive fight where Mm -hmm. they're just that's what i thought made it oscar worthy yes and well it's also just like when people are especially like in situations like that where they're like breaking up or getting divorced like they hate each other people say like really really mean things to each other mm-hmm. and like, you know the other person so intimately and you know how to hurt them yeah and when you are trying to do that you say things like that you mm-hmm. like you say things like i woke up and hoped that you were dead like right and Laura Dern plays the lawyer who kind of comes between them. At first, they say they're not going to use representation. Yeah. And then next thing you know, she's like so <laughs> sweet and endearing. And she works her way in. And then it becomes this very contentious divorce that costs them. He's just won a MacArthur mm-hmm. Genius Grant. And he ends up spending so much money on legal fees. Yeah. It's it's harrowing, but worth a watch, yeah. I thought. I guess it sucked all the energy out of me for the rest of the night. Yeah, it's an emotional drain for sure. I think that's kind of like his wheelhouse. The most fun movie of the night and the big winner, which I still haven't seen, but I've read so much about, but they I guess there's a big spoiler, so don't tell me if you know anything, is Parasite. Parasite. Bong Joon-ho directed Parasite. He is the director of... Snowpiercer, which is one of my favorite movies ever, which is also a movie about kind of class issues um, at its heart. And Okja, which I think a lot of people watch on Netflix, which is very pleasant 
more pleasant movie than the other ones um, about an animal. One amazing thing that happened, besides the whole, like, the entire sweep of, like, those four major awards, a really, really huge deal is that the only other person in the history of the Academy Awards to win four in one night is Walt Disney. What? Like, Walt Disney. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> he very much set the tone. This man is delightful, and well, I, I want to follow him around now. And I hate when people get up there <laughs> and are unprepared. He had prepared something different for each of the awards, but it was short and sweet, and he said yep. it through a translator for the most part. Yes. My favorite line was, I would like to get a Texas Chainsaw, split the Oscar yes. trophy into five, and share with all of you. A Texas Chainsaw specifically. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought that was lovely. I think that was wonderful. My favorite part was when he said a quote that he really loves, and then he was like, that's from Martin Scorsese. Yes. Um, and he did a shout-out like, to all of them. Yeah. Right? And then I actually heard a really cool story. Spike Lee presented that award, and I heard a really cool story that backstage they were talking to each other, and I guess that, like, the person observing it noticed that Bong Joon-ho looked very excited when he was talking to Spike Lee, and then Spike came over kind of smiling, and he's like, hey, what were you guys just talking about? Bong was telling Spike Lee that... He, in 1991, did the, I, can't, I don't, can't remember if it was the dubs or the subtitles. Either way, it's very exciting for his movie, Jungle Fever. And so it was just a cool little connection that they had made. Right. And I guess they were like very excited about it. But I thought that that was really cool. I thought it was also nice at the end. He had had opportunity to speak, so he started to pass off mm-hmm. the opportunity to producers and various other people. And there was a very small woman who Mickey. was trying to speak into the microphone, yes. but it was like too high, and they started to shut the lights off as if the Oscars they thought were it was over. over. Yeah. And the whole room went crazy and said, turn the lights on. Yep. And they gave her an opportunity to speak. And she was amazing. She and was I'm obsessed sweet. with her. She is the one of the vice presidents of the production company, and so she's been played a huge role in bringing South Korean Films International. Gotcha. But yeah, I think I just really liked that shot where it was like Tom Hanks was like, not on my watch, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Like he's kind of like, I feel like he's like the boss of the room. Like yeah. if Tom Hanks says that, <laughs> you have to listen to him. And so you just see him and Charlie's there and like, yeah. All right. So Laura Dern won for oh, Marriage Story. I just love her so much. For Best Supporting Actress. Brad Pitt won his first acting Oscar, yeah. Best Supporting Actor. And he finally thanked his kids. Oh my God. I brought that up last night. I was watching with my mom and my aunt and I said one thing that I've just found really really weird all season is that it's like it feels like he's trying to make us like forget the last 15 years of his life he, he must have a speechwriter. just the little quips that he's been firing he has, off he's talked about it he said that he has lots of friends who have given, given him things one of them is David Fincher who's like the director of Zodiac and Gone Girl and The Social Network and among many other movies. But I thought that was so funny. I'm like imagining David Fincher like <laughs> sending him texts like you should say this. This is a good zinger, Brad. Yeah. 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 yeah, he was great. Do you know what happened? I saw he missed another major award ceremony to be reunited with his son this week. I don't know. I was counting you. I'm like, Molly might have the scoop. We'll have to report back on that. I d- couldn't tell you. In terms of uh, the best actor, it went again to Joaquin Phoenix, and he, he, he had you a know, lot to say. He started to stitch together a number of different social justice platforms, yes. but the one that I will <laughs> never forget, we feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow. We steal her baby. We take her milk. And then he like said, you put it in your coffee. And I was and, like, yeah, oh, it's very right. It was very pointed. Yeah. 
I yeah, I responded to like the very end when he quoted his brother. Now his brother's River Phoenix. Yes. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, River, and my mom went because she's like, no, Leaf, and I was like, he's Leaf. His brother is River. No, what <laughs> very funny. happened to River Phoenix? River Phoenix died at the Viper Room in Hollywood at twenty one of a drug overdose. And the movie that I remember him most clearly in is Stand By Me. Stand, oh yeah, Stand By Me is great. If you haven't seen him, um, there's a movie called Running on Empty. Where he plays the son of parents who are kind of on the run. They're like con artists. It's really wonderful as well. If you are interested in River Phoenix, he's a wonderful actor. He died when uh, Joaquin was with him. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a lot, right? That's a lot. Yeah. And he's just made this opus about mental health. Mm Mm-hmm. The winner of Best Actress. Renee. Speaking of mental health. Oh, she's fine. I know you love her, but she seems unwell to me, Molly. Oh, I see. I I was confused because everyone on Twitter was like, what is she saying? And I was like, I understood the the point of her speech. She just started rattling off people's names. She just should have prepared it. Yeah. Like, I understood what she was saying, though. She was saying that, like, when we have heroes and we have people like Judy Garland, like, those are the people that bring humanity together. And I was like, yes, this makes sense. It was just, like, way too long and needed editing. It made sense. You know what I kind of felt like? In that way. She didn't want to sound scripted, so she, like, had in her head, oh, I know what I'll say. And I'll practice one time in the mirror, but then you get up there in front of national television cameras, and And you're you're like, like, what was I going to say? Venus? Serena? Judy? Well, and it's funny, because I was like, Fred Rogers, and then she said Fred Rogers, and I was like, yeah. All right, so you two were on the same wavelength. I think I was just nervous for her. It was very long. It was too long. No, I would definitely, like, agree, like, I think that her sentiment was nice, and I think she was ultimately trying to honor Judy Garland. The Wizard of Oz, like, has brought generations and generations of people together, like, across everything, right? It was like the show. It was a little scattershot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think I got so uncomfortable because I really honestly did think maybe there was something wrong with her and we were like watching a yeah. car crash. You I know? think she's just a little out there. Um, I, I don't know, like watching remember. people melt down. And that's where I felt it was going. But, and I, but that's what people said about Joaquin, too. They were like, every second has like that tenseness of like, oh my God, what is he going to say next? What's going to So happen? that was an interesting pairing. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember her 2002 speech when she went for Cold Mountain. I feel like it was much more straightforward, though. I had to look it up. I was like, what else did she win for? She won for Cold Mountain. She almost won for Chicago. She was nominated for Bridget. I was glad that she won because they abandoned her. They let her. They told her she looked stupid and made fun of her for, like, saying she was an alcoholic, which who knows if that's true. Everyone just thought she was I don't know mm-hmm. and they she dated Bradley Cooper for a little while and they were like what's going on here and so then she just like retreated because she was like well I guess you hate me I so, really enjoyed the Taylor Swift documentary and it's called Miss Americana. Miss Americana it's on Netflix I liked it a lot people have had different feelings for sure about her recognition of her own privilege and things like that but she says, you know, after 35 in this business, you were just discarded. And that reminded me of Renee Zellweger a yeah. lot, that she honestly didn't think she'd ever have this second chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was why, that's the primary reason I was excited. Cause I was just like, this is cool because, and I do think she's an excellent actor, but I just was like, this is great. She did it. You know, mm-hmm. she walked her, she walked back in and was like, listen, I am really talented and you should recognize me still as a person who's like a really good actor. <laughs> Well, you know what I felt like was the only thing really missing that would have turned this Oscars around? Tell me. (laughs) J-Lo. 
Yeah, right? I wish that uh, J-Lo had been nominated. Especially after last week. So tell me what you thought of the Super Bowl. Oh, I loved it. Me too. I just loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was so fun. My poor mom had to, at the end of it, I was like, I love that. And she was like, yeah, I know. Because like, I wouldn't <laughs> shut up about it. I love Shakira. I started calling her Shaki, like as if I, she's my friend. I don't know if that's a thing that anyone has ever called her. But we're friends now. Oh, God. Yeah, it was a, a powerful showing. And Shakira's 43, right? Yeah. And J-Lo is 50. 50. Yeah. And they were both, like, such athletes. Just the athleticism it of it alone was quite impressive. Uh, not to mention their musical talents. Pride for Puerto Rico. Where is Shakira from? Uh, Colombia. Uh, and she was playing, I guess she got her start as like a rock star yeah. too. So she played Which the drums crazy. and she played the guitar and she crowd It was cool. Yeah. It was really just like the showmanship was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was really, really cool. Pure, just like competence and entertainment value was one of the better shows we've ever had. And especially I'm thinking of like the Maroon 5 one last year was awful. Mm-hmm. I hated it. And it's like, don't pick people just for the sake of being like you're popular. You know, if you could have something like Shakira and JLo. The only thing I will say, which I thought was a very interesting critique, and we've talked about this before, of like taking things that are very, very good and being like, well, also, like, let's have a conversation, was some people pointed out that they had approached Rihanna and like Cardi B to do halftime shows, and they both said no in protest of the NFL with regards to Colin Kaepernick and right. the fact that he's been blackballed and he can't get a job. And so to have Shakira and Jayla, which is like super cool, like representation, they are still like white Latina women though. You know, they're like white passing. And so some folks were just like, it would have been cool to see more nods to the Afro-Latina community that has influenced both of their careers in music. And I don't disagree, but I also just thought it was a great show. I, <laughs> yeah. So I also heard a really interesting story on NPR that spoke a little bit about Jay-Z consulting with the NFL to try to sort of mend this gap. But yeah. he's also, it's a pretty lucrative opportunity to consult with the NFL, who historically has not been really open to change and has been totally whitewashed. And yeah. so it was interesting because they chose... One of the songs that played during the Super Bowl was a Cardi B song, yes. and, and she's like, oh. sitting there in the audience, but had refused the money, wouldn't perform, mm-hmm. which is like the opportunity of a lifetime for a musical yeah, artist. Absolutely. And so it was just interesting. I didn't know if that was a slap in the face or an oversight or what. I think it was just like, well, we can't get her, so we should still do it anyway. Yeah. Um, and it was cool. It was cool that like J Balvin and Bad Bunny were there. Like I thought yes, that was awesome. I thought that but, was very cool. Um, I thought yeah, the fashion discrepancy between the men and the women was so funny. They're <laughs> yeah. obviously decked out and yep. wearing these like insanely beautiful costumes. And then the men are in streetwear and they were just like wearing hoodies. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. They looked like showgirls, like a lot of them. Like they had that like very over the top quality. Did you have any favorite commercials? Oh, well, I hated the Google one. It made me, too. me like sad, but yeah. also feel kind of weird. I don't know. Someone was collecting information. And of all the pieces of technology to choose, isn't that just the same as keeping a notebook? Like a scrapbook? So it's yeah. a, a man who potentially has Alzheimer's, and he is trying to remember his wife. Loretta. Loretta. <laughs> and so he's telling Google, remember this, and Google, remember that. And Google is just writing down his memories for him. But yeah, it... It seems like they were, like, cultivating this portrait of Loretta that they would someday turn into a hologram. It was weird. Like, it was almost as if they, like, made her a Google Plus page. And Google Plus is also dead. 
R.I.P. True. Right? It was almost like they were compiling, like, I don't know. Do you guys remember Google Plus? It was like a, it was there for like like a, a Facebook a type thing. Yeah. And they were like, it's the new revolution in social media. Yes. Yeah. And it totally failed. But like, it looked like that. Like, that's what the pieces looked like. I like the overlaps of commercials, though, where brands definitely got smart and said, how many of us can we collaborate with to make the most of our airtime, especially if they all fell under one larger the brand? The conglomerates, yeah. I really liked, I going back to Martin Scorsese, I liked that commercial for like was it like a Mountain Dew or something that was like him texting Jonah Hill he's like alone at a party and he's like Jonah where are you and Jonah's like on his couch I just thought it was cute I love the idea that they are friends because they are and I I thought it was funny he loves to do commercials Martin Scorsese he like American Express he'll do whatever man of mystery yeah get that money right mm-hmm. so but, yeah Thursday's Valentine's Day. Yes. I'm going to drop by tonight. I don't know if you have plans. I was going um, to, too. At Dead Horse Hill. So if you're listening, this would have been two days ago. I hope that you came. I bet it was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. But they got a bunch of female makers to come together, and Terry Goulet is taking over the kitchen doing grilled cheese. Mm -hmm. And then Thursday, there's, like, a huge thing going on at Crompton Place. They're doing a special pizza night. Um, There's Sip and Shop with 90 Plus at all those female-owned businesses in Crompton Place. And at Redemption Rock, which is also a business with a female CEO, Danny Babineau. We love Danny. They're doing, like, Parks and Rec-themed trivia and encouraging people to come in costume. Oh, yeah. And they have waffles. I am going to dress as Jean-Ralphio. I'm perfect. (laughs) If you don't know Valentine's Day, (laughs) it comes from season two of Parks and Rec. And Leslie Nope likes to um, celebrate all of her lady friends. She writes some personal essays and invites them to waffles. She invites them, but also like she kind of forces them. Yeah. (laughs) Which is fine. That's so true. (laughs) Right? Like they're invited, but like if they didn't attend, like she wouldn't speak to them. (laughs) She for a little while, them, like, yeah. a mosaic of their face with all their favorite sodas. Oh, yeah. And she's always like, it's like Lilith Fair, but without the angst and more frittatas or something like Sounds that. Sounds great to me. Yeah. So we're uh, we're getting on board. Happy yeah. Galentine's. Happy Galentine's. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I was excited that Takeaway TT won. Yeah. For his adaptive screenplay of Jojo Rabbit. Um, and I loved, I thought his speech was beautiful. He spoke about, he's a, he's, he's a Maori Jew. <laughs> and he spoke about dedicating the award to indigenous kids who want to do art and dance and tell stories. And he said, we're the original storytellers and we can make it here too. So I just thought that was like a very beautiful thing to say at the end there. But yeah. Well, I have been Sarah. I have been Molly. And this is Pop It. Pop It. <laughs>